I hope you're having a great first week of 2024. And as I told you last session, I intended to start each one of the sessions this week with some sort of thank you for the people who have impacted upon my ministry. And today, I want to think about all my past teachers, those who poured themselves into me. Uh, I had some great uh, Sunday school uh, Sunday school teachers and uh, youth ministers and preachers when I was growing up at Kabul, Missouri, down in the Ozarks. Uh, I think about Marie Beller, who was the first Sunday school teacher that I can actually remember being in class with her at the old church building uh, basement there in Kabul. And I'm so thankful that she loved taking the time with all of us uh, young elementary kids. I think about uh, Bob Lindsay, uh, who was the local banker, but he was uh, one of my middle school uh, Sunday school teachers, and he loved to tell some wild stories in order to get our attention uh, to the scripture itself. Uh, I think about some of my preachers uh, that were involved in my education. Forrest Wise was the preacher that I know um, was at Kabul when I made the decision to be immersed into Jesus Christ, and he did it there, again, in the old building in Kabul. And uh, I uh, was never appreciative enough of his preaching as I should have been. Uh, and the same could be true of some of the others that were preachers there when I was in junior high and high school. I think about um, uh, Larry Atkin, who uh, was uh, the preacher that really, I think I started paying attention a little bit more. And one of the reasons it might have been, I'm telling little stories on myself here, is that myself and my buddies were goofing around in the back row of the new building and he stopped in the middle of his sermon and called us down by name. Now, of course, you know we all got in trouble as soon as we got home that day. Uh, but uh, I, I repented, I think, after that point and started paying attention a little bit more in his classes and in his preaching. And so I appreciate him very much. I think about when I went off uh, after the Air Force, uh, I spent my first four years out of high school in the Air Force with my wife, Deborah. Uh, after I got back, I uh, headed off to undergraduate uh, Bible college at Ozark Christian College, or Bible College at that time in Joplin, Missouri. And I had some great teachers. Uh, I took a quarter of my uh, five-year program uh, underneath Seth Wilson, who has now passed into the presence of the Father. And he was a big proponent for memorizing the Word of God. And I remember once uh, he got after some of us in class uh, because there were questions about how much these uh, memorizations would be worth in the grade. And he says, I don't want you to do it for a grade. I want you to do it for life. And boy, was he right on that. And so a lot of the memorization I have in me now is thanks to his uh, work. Uh, I think about Wilbur Fields uh, introducing me uh, to archaeology uh, and showing us great pictures, he and Seth both, of uh, their trips to Israel and 
uh, now that I've been making trips myself, I see a lot of the things uh, that I used to see in their slides. And uh, I think about uh, Jim Girdwood and Kenny Bowles, both uh, my Greek teachers on uh, different years, introducing me to the languages, uh, both Greek and then later Hebrew. Um, that opened up a whole new world to me. And then, last thing I want to mention would be the radio preachers in my life. I listened to J. Vernon McGee when I was in high school and uh, appreciated his down-home, uh, very friendly approach to going verse by verse through all of Scripture. And if you haven't figured it out, uh, you see a little bit of that approach in what I do. And then uh, um, Jack, or excuse me, um, uh, Smith, uh, oh my goodness, uh, Chuck Smith uh, on uh, Grace to You and things like that, uh, or Word for the Day, Word for Today. He impacted uh, some of my later uh, ministry work, and I really felt the need through these two gentlemen uh, to approach the Scripture on radio when I started doing it, uh, verse by verse, systematically, through all of Scripture. And so uh, you need to uh, pass on your thanks uh, that you might have for my work to thanks to these folks uh, that made a difference in my life. And so I hope all of us will just continue making a difference in the lives of the people that are coming up in the church. I want you to open to 1 Peter chapter 4, where we kind of just ended at verse number 9 yesterday because we ran out of time. We're going to pick up at verse number 10, where Peter is urging his readers, and therefore by extension us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we have a certain lifestyle that we Christians should be adhering to. We should be committed to the Word of God, living the Christian lifestyle like Jesus lived his life. We should be committed to loving others, whether we know them or don't know them. We still need to show the love of God. Verse number 10, this is what he says next. As each has received a gift. So one of the things that we know is that all of us who have been saved and filled with God's presence through the Holy Spirit, all of us have some sort of gift that has been given to us. The gift might have been in place before we became a Christian, and it's just to be used in a brand new way now that we are a Christian. But all of us have some sort of giftedness. If you're saying, I don't have a gift, you're wrong. You have a gift of some sort. Ask the people around you, and they'll be able to tell you, more than likely, what it is you're good at. Use that for the Lord. So verse number 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. So you're not using it for your own self, you're using it for others. 
as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, a steward is someone that takes care of business for someone else. Uh, In uh, this case, it's we're taking care of Christ's business while he is waiting the Father's command to come back and get us all. And so we have this multifaceted grace, this unmerited favor that's been presented to all of us as a great big huge group. And again, Peter's been reading Paul, no doubt. We know that the body of Christ is exactly like that, a body. And it's made up of all these individual members, and all these individual members need to work together in order to accomplish the greater good, the greater whole. And so here is Peter's insistence regarding our gifts as examples. Verse 11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. So those of us that are gifted with the ability to take information off the pages of Scripture, kind of digest it, work with it, and then turn it around and speak it back out. If we're gifted in that way, then we need to be doing that for God. We need to say, this is the word of God. Here it is. Make the most of it. That, and that's what we preachers need to do. All you young preachers out there, or all of you middle-aged or older preachers, don't be shy. If you've got the word of God, share it. Preach it. Speak it. Let those people know. Because that's your gift. Um, Whoever serves, and this is actually related to the word for deacon and deaconness. Remember I was telling you back when we first were talking about that. It's based on a word that means run. Run to take care of things for other people. Uh, It's the gopher. Go for this. Go for that. Uh, The deacons are the gophers of the church. Well, here he says, Whoever's in that role, whoever's serving, who has, whoever has the ability to help other people out, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So don't say, but all I do is take care of the kids in the nursery. What do you mean that's all you do? That is huge. It's monstrously big, especially for the parents or the grandparents that are going into worship or Sunday school or or maybe they're serving in some other capacity. They need to know that their kids are being taken care of well. Uh, all, I ever, all I ever can do is, is bake cookies. That's no big deal. Yes, that is a big deal. Uh, I know lots of churches that have these cookie ministries that helps break the ice, you know, make that... that affectionate uh, introduction uh, between uh, what would be strangers into some sort of relationship that gives you a chance to talk more in depth. A cookie can unlock doors, uh, literally, uh, for the gospel. And so don't talk down 
about, I only can do this, as if that's not a big deal, because it can be a huge deal when God is using it. In fact, what does he say next? He says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Whatever your hands find to do, do them all with the energy that God gives you to the glory of God. That's our responsibility. And uh, he goes on to say, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is praise and prayer here. That whatever it is that God has gifted you with, God made you good at, or you have had the opportunity uh, given to you by God to get good at it through training, whatever it is, find some way to use that for the benefit of Jesus Christ and the people that Jesus died to save. Um, you know, when a body is sick, that's indicated by a malfunction in its members. Things are not working properly. Same thing is true in the church. If we've only got a small portion of the church working, and the rest are just sitting around doing nothing, that's a sign of illness in the church. So I want to appeal to all of you guys out there that are just pew sitters or chair sitters. You show up for worship, you know, whenever it suits you, and the rest of the time you don't even think about church. Repent of that. Repent of that mindset. You go to the leaders in your congregation, not just the preacher, because the preacher doesn't run everything. You should understand that. That's not the way it's supposed to work. But you go to the leadership that goes across the uh, board, uh, and you find somebody that will listen to you saying, I'm good at this. Put me to work. Help me find a way to serve. That's what we need. We need that to make the church work well. And the reason we want the church to work well is because the church is representing Jesus Christ. Okay? So take care of that. Uh, verse number 12. Beloved, and he keeps using that term. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Now, when Peter is writing this, I think he's writing it about 30 years after the start of the church. Before the church even got started, there was already persecution. Uh, Jesus was persecuted. His apostles were made fun of and challenged on several occasions in the book, books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. you got stories about that. But then in the book of Acts, you see the persecution that comes upon not just the apostles, but upon anyone who named the name of Jesus Christ. And so Peter, writing 30 years of that happening, after 30 years of that going on, he says, don't be shocked 
when you get hassled over being a Christian? Why should that catch you off guard? I mean, after all, Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. So don't be shocked. Don't get upset about the fact that people treat you meanly if you are living the Christian life. That's par for the course. Verse 13, but instead rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So basically you say, you should say, all right, I must be doing something right because just like Jesus got hassled, I'm getting hassled for living the proper lifestyle, the moral lifestyle. Now, you need to contrast this, by the way, uh, with some of the things that he said earlier in that you shouldn't take pride in bad things happening to you when you kind of deserve those bad things. He was specifically talking remember, to the servants of that period. You know, if you get spanked, you know, public corporal punishment for stealing, well, there's no, there's no benefit to, to that. There's no pride that goes along with that. You had that coming. Uh, so here he says, you know, if you get it because you represent Jesus properly, that's good. Because that means you also get to share in his glory when he comes back. Verse 14, now, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. Uh, when I was in high school, I, I remember I kept a little um, poster above my study area uh, that said, if you were put on trial, for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And so I think of that in association with, with this verse here. You know, if people find you Christ-like enough that they say nasty things to you, just like they'd say to Jesus, well, then that's good. Uh, it's good to be treated like Jesus in that respect, but this is the warning that he gives. And this relates to what I've already said. Verse 15, let none of you suffer as a murderer. See, it's one thing to suffer for being a Christian. That's good. But to get yourself in trouble because you actually killed somebody else, that's bad. So let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler, someone that sticks their nose in where it doesn't belong. See, we should not be doing the bad things of this world. Christians should be the best citizens of whatever society they find themselves in. The most obedient to the laws of the land, the most gracious and kind and compassionate and thoughtful people. We should not be the ones being brought up on charges for breaking rules and for mistreating people. That's what Peter says. And he's saying this by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, and remember, Christian 
uh, first pops up as a term uh, when the church at Antioch of Syria got started. It was a Gentile-majority congregation, and uh, they spoke Greek. And so they used the term Christian to mean a follower of Christos, Christ, the anointed one. And so he's using that term freely here. He says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, a follower of Christ, well, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in that name. I am proud to wear the name Christian, and so should you be. Um, you know from time to time I critique things that have happened uh, in the current events of the church. And one of the ones that really kind of steams me, really kind of ticks me off, is this movement of trying to remove the name of Christ out of organizations that want to rebrand themselves uh, more... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word here. Uh, as more f community friendly. So instead of being a Christian church, they become, I, I'm almost afraid to use a word here <laughs> uh, because I don't want to insult any particular group. Uh, but let's, let's say they just, they pull a name and they put the word community with it. Uh, and they, they even remove the word church sometimes. And this rebranding effort I think, is horrible. Why would we be ashamed of the name Christos? Why would we be ashamed of the name church, which Jesus established and which the gates of Hades itself would not be able to stand against? We need to be straight up and honest with people. We are about Jesus Christ we are about Christ crucified, resurrected, ascended on high, coming back again as King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what we sell here. And I use the word sell in quotation marks. That's what we promote here. That's what we offer here. And if that's what you're looking for, you've come to the right place. So I, I want to um, urge all of you, don't, don't let any more of this rebranding stuff happen. Let's keep Christ in Christian. Let's keep Christ in the church. Verse number 17. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. See, we have to, um, we have to govern ourselves. We have to pay attention to what's going on at home. Because God will start with us first in his evaluation. And Peter goes on to say, if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who don't obey the gospel of God? And then he offers this quotation from the book of Proverbs. It's uh, chapter 11, verse 31. And, quote, if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? End quote. Uh, so if righteous people are saved only because of the grace 
of Jesus Christ, then what about the people who have zero interest in, interest in that grace and definitely zero interest in Christ himself? Uh, that's a mess. Uh, as uh, we've seen in another passage of Scripture, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So we've got to keep the focus on Christ and upon what he wants inside his church. And that's going to be very important, by the way, uh, in what's coming up in chapter number 5. Verse 19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So a faithful creator is a creator who can be trusted. And so those of us who wear the name and live the lifestyle, and we suffer because of it. People call us names, perhaps. That's a very mild form of suffering. Or maybe in some other areas of the world, for example, they actually arrest and prosecute and punish with uh, fines and incarceration and sometimes even beatings and maybe even death. Well, let all those who suffer because they belong to Jesus Christ, which is God's will, by the way. I mean, that's why he puts it in here. Uh, not the suffering part, but rather being in Christ part. And then if you suffer because of that, that's par for the course. Just trust God in that, that it'll all work out. Uh, as uh, Paul wrote, you know, all things work together for good to those who are the called according to his purposes. And so just trust God. Now, we've only got about a minute left before we wrap up today, so I'll only get a chance to kind of introduce uh, what we'll start with next session, and that's chapter 5, verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Now, in Jewish society, as I've explained before, uh, you are not uh, considered to be an adult until you hit 20, and you weren't really a responsible individual adult until you hit 30. And then when you hit 50, you were a trusted senior member of society. You were an elder of that society. Uh, and so Peter wants to um, pay an, uh, give a little nod to those men in leadership who are in that upper range of age, where they've got a lot of experience under their belts. See you next session.